with rising billions, disrupting tradition, always be closing, gaining exponential wisdom from street smart strategies. I dream the kind of dreams that other people said would not be possible. Free your mind. Nothing happens till something moves. I'm a big fan of going all in on your strengths. Create your blue ocean. Innovation and collaboration with competition. Do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life? Or do you want to come with me and change the world? Creating uncontested market space. I worry that people don't tap into their strengths. Wealth creation and a new economy entrepreneur. There is a very thin dividing line between success and failure. Witnessing unprecedented technology. You can fail at what you don't want. So you might as well take a chance on doing what you love. Welcome to the Think Bold, Be Bold Show with Christopher Gumby and Alan Witch. Hi, it's Christopher Cumby with Think Bold, Be Bold, here with my awesome co-host, my only co-host, Alan Witch is in the house. What's I'm going in the on? house. Hey, man, how's it going? You are such a gracious co-host. Thank you so much for that great interview. Um, it was a real short interview, but a great interview with my name, which was awesome. Um, Chris, it's been a joy doing this uh, this show with you. And uh, we're, we've now turned another year. We're well over a uh, 100 shows in, and we're having a great time. Uh, we're doing some cool things this year. We're doing some live events on a couple of different broadcast mediums. Uh, we've got a great lineup of guests uh, still in the queue for everybody to hear. And like our great guest today, we've got uh, more lined up for everybody. So with that note today, Chris, how you doing? I'm, uh, I'm really well, you know, I, um, I make it a good day. I uh, just got uh, crushed a few things that I had to get done early. And, you know, as you know, I get up early before my boys uh, at 5am, usually every day uh, or earlier. And uh, it just gives me a chance to, uh, you know, do a few things that are important before everything gets crazy in the house and they go off to um, school. Uh, and that note, uh, it's been a great, uh, great morning. Thanks for asking. That's awesome. That's awesome. Great guest on today. Oh, amazing. Uh, I've, been, uh, I've been tracking this guy down for a while and, you know, I know he's busy and he's got a lot going on. So we're really, uh, you know, we really do appreciate his time. There's no doubt. And, you know, it's one thing that caught my uh, attention and, um, you know, I know it's going to really help the audience today. So it's a great time for you to pull out your journal because this is where the golden nuggets come from. I talk about, you know, having a journal and having a, a place to write thoughts and ideas that come to you. And this is a perfect opportunity to do so because this guy is a powerhouse. And I'm telling you, um, I've had the great pleasure of uh, seeing his stuff and, and following him and really paying attention because we do share, um, you know, common sort of traits in, in, in the world of sales, but this guy's taken it to a whole new level. I just absolutely can't wait to learn more about it. So why don't we just get right into it, uh, Alan, and, uh, and get our guest introduced and, and ready to rock. That's awesome. I want to get I want to get his, get him right on the uh, right online here and uh, get him telling us about his backstory and so forth. But real quick, just a quick intro. I'm going to let him tell us how he got to where he's at. Uh, I think people do their the best job talking about that because there's usually a story involved and the stories are what sell and the stories are what made it relatable. So we'll, we'll get into that real quick, but um, 
Our guest today is a really a, a tremendous sales trainer and doesn't dabble in a bunch of other things. He dabbles in sales and until a sales made that, you know, there's there's no commerce back and forth. So what does that mean? Well, it means relationships. It means relatability. It means understanding a, a demographic and, and really truly understanding what they need and uh, being able then to take them from where they're at to where they want to be, not necessarily where you want them to go. And uh, our guest today is great at doing that. Uh, he is laser focused. He's got uh, folks all over the world. He really is, uh, uh, you know, one of the number one, you know, ranked uh sales trainers his whole focus which i think is a really cool focus and it does limit maybe the uh the the folks that he caters to but his whole goal is to get people into the top one percent you know of their earning capability in the sales industry and if you think you're not in sales everybody's in sales uh it may not be the 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 sexy dress that you'd like to have on but it is indeed a viable uh, and a required and a necessity piece of what you do. And uh, our guest today is going to tell us all about that. So without further ado, Jeremy Miner's in the house. Jeremy, welcome to uh, Think Bold, Be Bold. Hey, hey guys. Uh, thanks for having me on here. You know, I'm going to take all of what you said as a uh, compliment. Is my, is my kid Sam pretty boring? So uh, you know, thank, thanks for that, uh, that elegant and, and beautiful introduction. But you know, it's it's really so true. I mean, you, you talk about, uh, you know, everyone's in sales today. And, you know, that's what we always, you know, we do a lot of training with, you know, people outside of, you know, traditional sales jobs. You know, if you're in the business of, you know, trying to influence, uh, persuade, uh, convince, you know, you're in the business of moving others, right? We call that non-sales selling. So it's not just training salespeople in their professions. It's training people who are just in the business of trying to move others, convince others of their way of thinking or whatever that is. So, you know, I'll give you some examples. If you're an attorney, right, who's trying to convince the jury that your client is innocent, you're in the business of persuasion, influence, and moving others, right? If you're a school teacher trying to get your class to be quiet and do their homework, you're trying to influence, persuade, and convince others. You know, if you're if you're an employee trying to give your boss to give you a pay raise, you're trying to persuade, influence, and move others. So when you talk about everybody being in sales, you're either in a sales position or you're in what we call non-sales selling. Everybody is continually trying to persuade. If you're a politician, right? We just had the presidential election. What are you doing? You're trying to persuade, influence, and convince others to your way of thinking. So I agree with you, Alan, when you said that everyone is in sales, no matter what you do. And until we realize that and learn those communication skills, we just kind of keep getting the same results we've always got, you know? Right. Now, Jeremy, bring us through a little, um, you know, journey, because obviously um, with, uh, with what you're doing in your business right now, and we'll talk about that just in a little bit, but, you know, you started somewhere. You started probably um, with some sort of struggle, I would imagine, just you know, walk us through that history of, of Jeremy Miner and, uh, and, yeah. and, and where this came about, the seven-figure sales training uh, that you um, are focused on now. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, been a, it's been a process, a lot of learning along the way, but a, a great uh, and enjoyable journey. But I got started, my first job was when I was in college, uh, the summer of 2000, so about halfway to uh, in the year 
2000. I think it was like 21, 22, somewhere in that range. Getting old now. And, uh, <laughs> you know, right, we're all, we're all aging, right? But uh, yeah, Some of us faster than others, but anyway. <laughs> we're all catching up, right? So, uh, you know, I got, I got involved uh, selling home security systems door to door. One of my roommates, and I still remember this day, walked into, we had like an apartment there and said, hey, there's this, you know, uh, company that's hiring college students to go out and work in the money. There's no selling involved. That's the first thing he said. <laughs> No selling involved. We give away the free alarm systems and we get paid to do it. And I'm like, well, that doesn't, okay, yeah, whatever. You know, I'm like 21 here, 22 at the point, so I didn't know any better. So I went down to this recruiting meeting. They had free pizza and, you know, there's probably 60 or 70 college kids in there and everybody signed up, right? We all signed up after the, they did their pitch and, uh, you know, we, we all signed up with straight commission, right? So they're not like interviewing anybody. They're just trying to get anybody they can, right, to put on the doors. Sure. And what they would do is they would ship out college students in the summer. So when school was over, like May 1st, they would ship you out to a city in the United States, and you would work all the way until like August 30th, like a week before school resumed. So their whole point was, hey, you can make enough money in the summer where you don't have to work during the school year, you can focus on your studying, right? So that was a, a big thing for most college kids. So they shipped me out to Boise, Idaho, of all places, to sell <laughs> alarm systems. Probably not the, the most uh, crime in the nation is not in Boise, Idaho, for sure. And, and I went out, and I didn't have any sales training, no experience. They gave me some scripts, went out there, and, and literally knocked on hundreds of doors, if not thousands, and the first, like, two or three weeks didn't make one sale. Right. And most of my friends didn't either. And at that point, most of my friends quit. Like they literally after three weeks were they were out. We didn't make any money. We're out. There was probably like, I don't know, 15 of us. I think about eight of those are my friends. They were all gone. And I decided to stay. And I went, I, I still remember the day I went down to Barnes and Noble and I bought like, I don't know, maybe seven, eight books. I didn't have much money, but about seven or eight books on selling. And they were just from the what I call the old sales gurus, you know, guys that have, you know, learned how to sell back in the 70s and 80s. You know, things have changed a little bit, obviously. Um, and I read, I read their stuff, and, and I started, you know, I, I went out there and started doing some of it, and I found that some of it worked. You know, some of it worked because I started to make some sales. I'm like, well, okay, you know, you just have to do this. When they say this, you can respond with that. And I just learned some of those skills. I started to make some sales. But I also soon found out that a lot of what they were saying in their books didn't work at all. And in fact, when I used it, in fact, when I used it, it was like I got more objections. I got more rejection, right? So I started just refining the process and kind of reforming what I learned. And, you know, that first summer I ended up being the, the top salesperson in, in that office and actually in the company, which, you know, wasn't saying much. I mean, there was only maybe 150 to 200 salespeople, so it wasn't that big of a deal. And uh, I just kept learning and growing and, and you know, kept doing that uh, for the next three or four summers. Um, eventually became the vice president of sales for that company. And, you know, thought I had it made. And I was making probably two hundred fifty to 300000 a year, you know, using what I call traditional selling techniques. And, it, you know, I, I thought really I knew everything about sales at that point. And, you know, I, I uh, met a couple of mentors of mine. Uh, back in the summer of two, well, no, not summer, probably the fall of 2006. And they taught me what I call the new model of selling for, for our time that we live in today. And that's where my income, literally selling the same thing, this is crazy, went from about 250000 a year to over 200000 a month. 
and I was selling the exact same product or service. So it was like a whole light bulb moment for me because I, I had a huge ego. I was making 250 to 300,000 euros, the top of my industry, really. And I, I just thought you couldn't, you couldn't possibly make more money in sales than what I was making. And I was just <laughs> completely wrong. I had no idea that there was, you know, using these old techniques, just kind of, that's like the plateau you can get to. You really can't get above that. So that's kind of where my story began. Good story. <laughs> Great story. I love it. And, oh, um, you know, you mentioned something uh, which I think is important, and you mentioned mentors. Yeah. How'd you go about getting a mentor? Because there's obviously, you know, we've got a great audience of people that may, uh, you know, still scratch their head on that question. Yeah. It's always interesting to ask people, um, you know, like yourself, you know, how'd that go, come about? How, you know, did you reach out? You know, give us a, a little bit of insight yeah, to, uh, you know, how you found a mentor. You know, to me, it was almost like a, you know, divine intervention. I, I really do believe that because I, I just, this one of my mentors, I just randomly ran into because the company I was working for was looking at uh, different sales trainers to hire. And he was one of those people. Okay. And I had the conversations with him. The company decided not to go with him. They went in a more of a traditional route with the, you know, one of the old gurus that I call. And, uh, but I stayed in touch with this gentleman and I just, yeah, just some of, his stuff just really resonated with me about how selling had changed and, you know, these old techniques, boiler room selling, just, you know, you can get average results with that, but you're not going to get like massive results. And, uh, you know, I read one of his books and I, yeah, I basically just called him up one day and said, Hey, I, I want to be trained by you one-on-one. -on -one. What's it going to take, you know? And literally uh, between him and another mentor of mine that I found along the way, I probably spent, in my education, communication education, well over $100,000 for sure. I'd, I'd say probably $150,000 right. over the years in my education. And you really have to if you want to be the best. You know, one of the best, you got you to do what others are not willing to do. So that, that's how I ran into my mentors. Love it. Yeah, the best investment you're going to make is in uh, your personal development and certainly in the area of what your, uh, you know, geniuses or, or what you really love to do is, uh, is important. So you fell in love with sales, you found mentors, it, you know, took you to a whole new level. Um, and uh, it's a great message for the audience, you know, listening in that if you're not um, where you maybe want to be in what you're loving, and I'm going to assume that, you know, you love what you do. If you don't, it's probably a good idea to start doing that. Uh, sure. But let's assume that you are, um, you know, invest into that personal development and invest into finding people that can help guide you there. And as Jeremy mentioned, um, and Jeremy, correct me if I'm wrong, you had a, you know, there was just sort of this connection that happened and you weren't even expecting it. So, you know, those things just, are going to happen to you. I just, I knew there was something better out there in, in sales training as far as, you know, like I said, I, I, in college, I studied behavioral science. That's my okay. background. Right. You know, so I kind of had a leg up on this. Like I, I understood why people reacted certain ways. And traditional sales training, like what we call the old model of selling, boiler room selling, goes against everything that behavioral scientists know about how, how people react to people. So it's completely polar opposite. So that told me, okay, you know, when people say something and you throw back a rebuttal, well, according to behavioral science, that's the least persuasive way to handle that concern. So it never, it never made any sense to me because of my behavioral science background. I'm like, 
people don't react that way. They get defensive, right? They, they do one of two things. They either get defensive and throw out objections or reject what you're offering, right? They get pissed, right? Or mm-hmm. they politely say, well, why don't you call me back in a week or, you know, uh, leave me some information or that sounds great. It's a great presentation. We're really interested. I need to talk to my boss. And why don't you call me in a couple weeks from now? And then when the salesperson calls, they're, you know, completely vanished. Right. So the chase game and the the chase begins. (laughs) Yeah, they withdraw. They withdraw. So they either get defensive, they throw up their wall, throw out objections and reject you, or they withdraw from you and and don't answer emails, your text, your phone calls. So I knew that behavioral science, that when you use those type of pushy, manipulated techniques, that most people react in one of those two ways. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Like their techniques that these old gurus are teaching me, and I think they're great people. I mean, I've met a lot of them I've taken some golden nuggets from as well, but a lot of what they teach, according to behavioral science, actually triggers sales resistance, and then they teach you how to overcome that resistance with objection handling techniques that those techniques actually caused in the first place. It never made any sense to me. I mean, like, yeah. why would you cause your own objections and then have to learn how to overcome what you caused? I'd better just eliminate that where they don't feel any sales resistance. I love Make it. Sense? Absolutely. Yeah, it becomes a perpetual nightmare. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of friends that have, that have been, well, including myself, been in a number of sales environments. And I think the, you know, the average person thinks of sales as a, you know, a negative net gain environment. And they're already, you know, they've already got that flag up. Well, I don't like it because I don't like to be pitched. So what do they do? They use exactly what they don't like in their process of, of selling and marketing to other people. But yeah. uh, you said something that was really it, it, it's a good aha moment. It's not surprising knowing you, but it is, um, I think, surprising for a lot of people. You were the last one left that stayed in the industry. And my guess is it was for, and correct me if I'm wrong, but for a couple of reasons. One, you liked it and you knew that there was something else. But two, you weren't satisfied with the results that you were given and you wanted to learn more. So you took it on yourself to learn and to study and then to work through that. Yeah. Now, as you're, Jeremy, as you're, um, <clears throat> pardon me, as you're meeting with bringing on clients and you've got a, a bunch of new folks in your, in your hopper and, uh, you know, they're new salespeople and maybe they don't have a lot of experience and, uh, you know, they, they, they've been influenced a little bit, say, by the environment around them. And are you finding that um, it's easier in today's economy with the technologies and the connectivity to be able to um, maybe mold the mind of a client against traditional, um, you know, backwash in sales, if you will? Or is there still a big hurdle that people are trying to get over when it comes to engaging in in ethical and uh, duplicatable and top-notch sales techniques? I I really think it's their age. And here's what I mean by that. So millennials, even like young, you know, I'm kind of on the border of being a millennial and ex-gen. I don't know what year I'm on. I'm either one or the other by a year or something like that. But typically people in their 20s and 30s, I think, really understand that traditional sales techniques just don't work very effectively. I I think people even in their 40s do. I just, especially after 2008, you know, uh, in in a lot of our training, we call, we we call the era that we live in today called the post-trust era, uh, where basically trust is dead, you know, with everything that happened with all the the banks and the government. It just, it just led, you know, decades have led up to people just really not trusting people, right? Everybody's skeptical. 
if you say, you know, if Christopher says, hey, trust me, come on my show, it's amazing. Uh, when we say those type of words, literally people will automatically be skeptical of you saying that because why? Because every single salesperson always says the same things, right? We're the right. number one provider in our space. We've got the best this. We're the best at that. And every single salesperson that's talking to that person trying to sell them something says exactly what? We're the number one provider. We have the best this. We have the best technology. So it literally goes in one ear and out the other and causes that person to actually raise up their flag because everybody says that, right? And mm -hmm. the consumer in our day, you know, like I said, this is not the 1960s, 1970s, 1980s, or even 90s, right? You know, back in the day before the, the power of the internet and social media, what was the bridge between the consumer and the company? It was the salesperson, right? That's how a person was educated besides like TV ads or radio or direct mail, that's how they were educated about your products or service. But now that's all changed, you know, in the last uh, 10 to 15 years with the, the power of internet, especially social media, uh, the consumers really in anything, doesn't matter what industry you're in, they know they have many choices to choose the exact same product or service that you sell. And because of that power they have over salespeople, they no longer will be manipulated and pushed into doing something because they know they have so many other choices. Mm -hmm. 20 years ago, 20 years ago, they didn't really have all that information like they do now. So the, the issue is, is that salespeople keep using these techniques from, I mean, really, you know, we call it the, the old model. It's the AIDA model of selling attention, interest, desire, action. That's what that stands for. It was actually developed back in the 1920s. It's the first known sales model that was actually put together. Uh, in case nobody knows that, and it was refined probably in the 50s and 60s, and that's literally what most salespeople still use. Right. And we're in 2017. So, you know, I learned from firsthand experience using those techniques that, yeah, yeah I could make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, but I was really never going to get up above that. So a lot of times, you know, and, and when I say, you know, clients, I mean, we have, we just, I launched my sales training company about 11 months ago, actually, I think Christopher started hitting me up maybe a month after I started it. And we already have, we already have, I mean, I don't know what the latest stats are, but it's close to 160,000 people in the world that have gone through some of our training, you know, some basic it. training, wow, advanced training, awesome. one training. So we're, I mean, we've got clients in, I don't know how many countries, uh, I'd say probably over 40 at this point. So it's really resonating with people because they're like, you know what, I've been using these techniques. They don't make me feel comfortable. You know, there was a, a survey that came out a couple of years ago. I'll have to look up who did that survey, but it was like North American Direct Selling Association or something. They surveyed like 5,000 salespeople and they found that like 80, I think it was 82 or 83 percent of salespeople actually feel uncomfortable themselves using uh, traditional sales techniques that are pushing aggressive, 82%. Wow. So if salespeople feel uncomfortable communicating that way, I mean, what, what do most people receiving that communication possibly feel like? Of course, they feel uncomfortable too, right? So they resist. And it's just like this, you know, Alan, like you said, it's just this never-ending circle where we do our pitch we were aggressive, we try to close, we try to argue our way into it, and then we start chasing. And yeah, here and there we'll get a sale, but it doesn't have to be that way. And, and it's, it's a shame when you, when you see salespeople that have bought into that, those sales myths 
that if they understood there's other ways to communicate, the results could be much, much uh, more exciting for them. And they could actually feel good about what they actually do, you know? Yeah, it's tough. We're all creatures of habit. I mean, your stat, you know, 80% of the salespeople polled in, the, in that particular demographic, and I think it's probably uh, pretty consistent throughout every every industry, is they don't necessarily like it, but they know that they stay in the game. They have that habit of staying in the game. They have that they habit of... Know, yeah, they don't know anything. That there's they, don't, they don't even know any different, but they're uncomfortable. But they, you know, behavioral economics will tell us that we all want to compartmentalize. And if they're comfortable enough, with what they're doing, they're not going to reach out and learn something new because when yeah. you learn something new, there is the risk of having more on the negative side than the positive side. So they go forth knowing every day that they're not doing what they really maybe should do. They're not comfortable doing it, but they continue to do it anyway. So yeah. what happens when a new person comes on and they train? They train that new person with the same you know, flawed philosophy and habits and practices that they have because yeah. they haven't made that decision yet yeah. to learn a little well, they're, bit. Uh, they're, they're comfortable with being uncomfortable. Sure. But it's easier. They know it. Yeah. No, it's, it's so easy that it, it doesn't work. That's what I would say. It's irony, though. It's a definition of irony. But people will do it constantly 24 7 and then they'll apply that in other areas of their life instead yeah. of stepping out and doing what you did ask there's got to be a better way and yeah. so I, you know and and I, I you you work a lot with the, like you said the millennials and and the younger age folks are they faster at making decisions um and foster faster at shoving something off to the side if it doesn't work as opposed to us old baby boomer boomers and i know you 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 um, touched on that a minute ago, but um, is is it really the, truly the age or is it the experience level that's I, making know, I that think, shift? I think the mixture. I mean, I, th I think our average demographic of our clients, Alan, is probably in their 30s and 40s. I, I think that's where most people fall into that. We, I mean, obviously, we train people in their 50s, 60s. We're not probably training somebody that's 83 that's retired, right, because they're not really right. in, in the sales profession anymore. But I would say our average demographic is somewhere from between 30 and 50, somewhere in that range. Um, I, I feel, feel those people definitely want a better way. I mean, they're struggling. The, you know, according to, I think it's payscale.com, uh, last year the average salesperson in North America made a little bit over 42000 a year. Right. So around the same uh, salary as a school teacher. So, and I don't think most people get into sales to make 42000 a year, right? Just a, it's an average income. So... That tells me with all the training out there, I mean, there's so many books by the old goobers. There's so many training programs. And what are the results of those training programs? Average salesperson makes 42000 a year. Those are the results. So I just go off results. Like what results do people get selling that way? 42000 a year. So obviously I know that that's just you want to be average. You keep learning how to sell that way. Mm -hmm. You know, it is what it is. So. Yeah, I, I mean, people are pretty open. I, I would say, I mean, we're expanding, like, rapidly. Um, you know, the great thing about us, because we do a lot of marketing online on Facebook, uh, we're really big on Facebook. We've probably got most of our list, uh, which is probably close to 200,000 people in the first 11 months from Facebook. Uh, but the great thing ab about people is, you know, they, they want to learn. I mean, they want to improve. And I, I find that among ex-gen millennials, even baby boomers too, you know, that are still out there selling that want to increase their, their game and get up to a higher level. I still find that, that they're, 
a little bit uncomfortable. Now, sometimes with somebody that's maybe 60 years old that's been selling that way for 40 years, it takes a little bit of more of a shift mentally sure. as far as their mindset to overcome that old way of thinking, right? But I, I, I do, I, I think people, I mean, I see it every day with the, the rate we're growing. Uh, just people are just, they're so hungry. I mean, they just, they want, they know that what they've learned is okay, but they know it's not going to get into the highest level. Does that make sense? Sure. So they're, they're just like, they just want more, you know, and that's what we find in our company for sure. Well, and with today's social environments, it's a lot easier, like I said a little bit ago, to actually find the information. Everything's 100% present to all people at all places at all times, really, if you, if you really truly want to engage. And I think that's really made an educated buyer, but it's also made um, at least an inquisitive seller. And uh, I like the fact that, uh, that uh, you're having that kind of uh, impact. So I just want to say kudos. Uh, you, you can't be doing what you're doing and, and uh, be leading people astray and be leading people uh, wrong. I mean, the, the numbers don't lie. And you're doing a fantastic job. And I believe that you're um, actually making a shift in the industry. And that's cool to see. And uh, I, I'm just, you know, I, I'll speak for myself. I'm excited. Uh, to know you and to be able to support and talk about, uh, you know, you as a trusted authority in this industry because I believe that you are and your results indeed well, you're, prove you're, that. You're being very nice. You're being too nice. But, well, yeah, I mean, no, we're, I, we're, I, call them like I see them. I mean, we're, you know, here's the thing. With with my company, we, we are, and this is the, the way I train salespeople to think with whatever they sell. Because, we I mean, we train salespeople in every industry you can ever imagine. I mean, I've had some clients come through that that in, even enrolled in our one-on-one program with me and in our, what we have level two coaches, and they're coming from industries that I didn't even know existed sometimes, and and doubling, tripling their numbers, uh, some of them 10xing what they were doing before. So it's definitely you know we're here to change people's lives, and I don't mean that in a generic way. I I mean that literally, as far as we look at ourselves as problem finders and problem solvers, right? A lot of training will say, hey, you've got to be an excellent problem solver. But the issue in our time and day is that most prospects we talk to don't know they have problems in the first place, right? right? So if we mm -hmm. can't ask, if we don't know the skilled questions to not only ask, uh, you know, what they're doing now, how that's working for them, but really to go deeper and bring out their emotions and their feelings of how those problems are affecting them and their companies, what it's doing to them personally, uh, you know, we, we can never solve the problem, right? right. So we, first of all, we have to learn how to find the problems by our skilled questioning. When we're talking to a potential customer, we have to find out what their problems are. And more importantly than us finding out what the problems are, who's really finding out for the first time what some of the problems are? The prospect is. Mm -hmm. And the prospect starts to surface what their problems are that they might not have ever thought they had, then at that point, then and only at that point, uh, can we bring up that we might have something that can help them solve those problems? And sure. when you approach it, and, that, and there's a lot more to that. It's not just that simple. It's learning the skilled questions in, in that dialogue process. But when you approach sales from that, that standpoint, is you look at yourself as a problem finder and problem solver, and you treat the people you're communicating to with, with that type of thinking, they will open up to you 100% of the time. They won't treat you like you're just another salesman there trying to stuff your solution down their throat, like they treat everybody else. They look at you like, yeah, you go ahead. No, go ahead. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll make a point in a second. Okay. 
they look at you as, as like Alan said, as the trusted authority. They don't view you as just another salesperson trying to sell them something. And if you are viewed as just another salesperson that they're trying to force your agenda and sell them something, they are going to treat you like that, right? 100% of the time, they're going to treat you like that. So we want to compartmentalize. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah and I, I had a great question uh, here on that point, and um, you know, there's skill set, and there's obviously mindset. You started talking a little bit about the mindset when people start to shift their thoughts and, and confidence. Um, you know, starts to exude as a salesperson because they now know what questions to ask. Um, and I often see this is, you know, when in conversations where uh, you're imposing uh, thoughts or, or expectations on a client of what you can do for them. It often falls apart where when you're asking great questions to your point, you're now co-creating an opportunity. And I find that when you're co-creating with your prospect um, on how you can create an outcome for them that they're looking for, it starts to uh, gel together and then you stand apart from you know anybody else that may be coming in there with a product or service. So um, yeah. we're thinking... Um, where where's the uh, like obviously you guys work on skill set uh, I hear a lot of that where does the mindset stuff fall into play with uh, the way you guys uh, teach uh, teachers your, your students or or well when I say mindset I'm not necessarily meaning just like personal development like how to stay motivated sure. and I'll talk about that in mm -hmm. a second when I say mindset it's switching from what we call you know in, in my book on this is almost done it's it's uh, it's it's you know we'll we have the title. We're not going to release it because we're still negotiating with publishers. But when when people, when salespeople and communicators transition from what we call the old world of selling to the new world of selling, there's a mindset shift that has to happen. Because in the old world of selling, what is our agenda? What are we 100% focused on? Making the sale, being excited about our product or service, doing whatever it takes to to get as many no's as we can to get that one yes. Right. We, we play into like, oh, it's just a numbers game. Right. Which is mm -hmm. uh, in a convenient way for sales trainers who don't really know what they're doing <laughs> right. to tell sales people who are struggling that, hey, the reason why you're not selling a lot is because it's just a numbers game and you got to work harder. You got to call more people. Well, who the hell wants to work 14 no, hours no. a day? <laughs> right. Right. 150 yeah. weeks? Who the hell really wants to do that? I mean, that's such a joke when I hear it. I mean, I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, how right. would anybody yeah. want to buy into that? I'd rather focus on, yeah. Instead of calling a hundred people, I'd rather call twenty people and focus on have quality conversations mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. actually have conversions where I'm converting ten or fifteen out of those twenty people instead of one out of a hundred. Right. I mean, it doesn't right. make any sure, sense sure, to me. I'd rather sure, work six sure. hours rather than twelve and, here, and here. sell five times more. You know, <laughs> I love it. Love it. it. So that time on researching your client, you can never know too much about your client. Yeah. And most yeah, don't want yeah. to do that. Yeah, and, and just it's just laziness, and and and, and I don't want to blame salespeople because that's really what they've been told by their companies and sales trainers. They they think that is true. I I bought into that. That's what I was told. I was conditioned to believe that. And until I met my two mentors that brought me into the new world of selling, my, my eyes were not open to that. I didn't know that that was a possibility. So it's really that mind shift to, like I said, becoming a problem finder and problem solver rather than what I call a product pusher. Right. Which most salespeople are, they are product pushers. They're enthusiastic. They're excited on the outside. What we train salespeople to do in the new world of selling is 
hold your enthusiasm, put it on your inside, put it, have internal enthusiasm, be excited about what you do, what you sell, but keep that to yourself. Let me give you an example. Let's say you, and I always say this analogy here, let's say that your car breaks down. You got to go buy a new car. I mean, you're in the market. You have a problem, right? You have needs. You have to go buy a new car. Your car's done, totaled. You can't get to work the next day. You go into a car dealership. You're looking for a car. That's why you're there, right? And the salesperson comes up with a big smile on his face and is all excited about all the great deals they have and how they're the greatest dealership in town and they have the greatest rates and they have the greatest prices. And he's so excited that you're going to drive away in this nice new car today. And it's got this feature and that feature and this benefit. What do most, what, I mean, what would you do if you were in, in that person's shoes? How would you react to that salesperson? Most people run. You, you, you do one of two things. You get defensive and throw objections or reject what they're offering and keep looking around or you withdraw from them and say, oh, I'm interested. Give me a brochure. I'll call you back next week. And then you vanish. Right. You do one of two things. So if, if, if salespeople do that to us and we react that way and we sell that way to other people, well, how are they reacting to us? The same exact damn way. You know, right. So it's like shifting from that mindset of being a product pusher holding your excitement internally and being calm on the outside, right? Problem finders and problem solvers are very professional, calm people, okay? They're detached. So I always teach salespeople, you have to detach yourself from the expectations of making the sale and instead focus on whether there's a sale to be made in the first place. So that's how we train salespeople. You detach yourself from the expectations of making a sale. Instead, focus on whether or not you can help that person. And when you do that, people you will find will completely open up to you and spill their beans and everything about the issues and, and challenges and problems they have. And then you can bring up that you might know how to solve those. And they will be 100% open. Got it? Sure. So that's what, I, that's what I mean by mindset. And I wanted to go back to what you're saying because, you know, I, I get, you know, and this was before I, I started seven-figure sales training uh, last year. And I go to a lot of events, sales training events, and it seemed like 90% of it was really just getting people motivated, goal setting, how to get motivated, get you pumped up. And I'm just like, you know what? I know a lot of highly motivated, hardworking, personal development people who study personal development all the time that are completely and flat broke. Right. Because mm -hmm. they don't. They don't have the communication skills to go with that. I mean, you can go to an event, get all pumped up, motivated, and then what happens? Well, within a week, after you get rejected over and over and over, well, what happens? You're going to go back to the same way of thinking. It's just human nature, right? Sure. Yep. So you have to not only have the mindset, but just as importantly, you have to have the communication skills to go with that. You can't have one without the other, in my opinion. Uh, and I would agree. I would agree. And that communication, and that, communication um, um, that you talk about, about let's talk let's about your, talk you know, your 21-day challenge, uh, sales uh, challenge, because uh, I think that that's what maybe falls into uh, what you're talking about and, and moving people, you know, along this um, new, new way of, uh, of, of thinking, let's call it, um, about how they sell versus what, you know, maybe they've been told or they fall, fell into over the years. Yeah, so the 21-day the sales challenge is a, a basic introduction to the new model of selling. It's just, it's just okay. a very basic introduction. It's not any advanced training. Basic introduction. 
people see our ads about the 21 day sales challenge all over Facebook. Uh, we're just now starting to get a big presence on YouTube as well. And they opt in, you know, wanting to take this free 21 day sales challenge to increase their sales and commissions. So 21 day sales challenge, basic intro. And what it does is it raises awareness on how selling and the consumer has changed. You know, we talked briefly about this, but 20 minutes goes in more detail. So has the consumer changed? Has sales changed? It talks about those changes, when those happen, why those happen, how they happen. And then all I do is I give a few tips and pointers, which do help salespeople, you know? Yeah. Then after they go through that, and, and most people, you know, they go through it with, with one of our, what we call level one coaches. They pay like seven bucks for that or something to go through it with the coach. Coach takes them through like three modules a day, kind of does a little bit of training with them on that. And then after they go through that, uh, they're introduced to more of an advanced training program called the eight-week academy. And the eight-week academy is the sales structure, the sales process of the new model of selling. Okay, so like I said, 21 Day Sales Challenge raises awareness, how selling has changed, give a few tips and pointers, that's it. There's no structure in there. You don't learn exactly what questions to ask and when to ask those and how to ask those during the sales process or the dialogue process. That, all of that, you know, the other, uh, I would say the 21 Day Sales Challenge is probably 3% of the new model of selling. The other 97% is found in the 8-Week Academy, and that's a 16-hour course uh, that salespeople we even have politicians uh, that have gone through that and lobbyists, just everything you can imagine. Attorneys go through that. And that's really where it teach them, uh, teaches the, the more advanced persuasion and uh, you know, dialogue process. And then after that, we even have one-on-one -on -one training programs for a year, six months, and three months with uh, certified trainers in my company called Level 3 Coaches. And for a few of our select uh, students, we have even one-on-one -on -one training with myself for 12, 6, and, and 3 months. And that's where we rewrite their scripts and we tie in the new model of selling to what they specifically sell. So the Eight Week Academy is a generic sales training product, right, that anybody can use for anything they sell. They just have to tie in what they sell to what I teach in that, the framework. And the one-on-one -on -one training programs is where we actually tie it in for them, write all their scripts and train them one-on-one -on -one for that time frame. So those are our training programs that we have. But it all starts with, like you mentioned, the, the uh, 21 Day Sales Challenge. And getting that awareness and, and uh, essentially knowing that um, you know there is some uh, some change that they might need to uh, think about to uh, to to raise or level up, I like to say. Uh, let me ask you a question. So if someone goes through the one-on-one -on -one, um, right out of the gates, uh, is the 16-hour course uh, something that they get along with that? Is it um, you know they're going to learn that anyway with a, a level uh, three coach or or possibly yourself? How would yeah, that so look? What we require, unless it's a major corporation, because we're, we're just now launching our corporate sales training platform. So unless it's a major corporation, if it's just an individual that opts in, they have to go through the 21-day sales challenge first, gotcha. then the eight-week academy second, to even see our one-on-one -on -one training programs. Because if, if they don't understand the sales structure and the sales process from the eight-week academy, then me training them one-on-one -on -one it would just take them so much longer to pick it up. There would just be a, a bigger learning curve because they wouldn't understand uh, the sales process. I'd have to teach them one-on-one. -on -one. Whereas sure. when they go through the Eight Week Academy, they already understand it. They just want what they sell. So let's say if they sell financial services or insurance or whatever it is, real estate, cars, whatever. They want it, their scripts tied into the new model, and they want me or one of our Level 3 coaches to write those for them. 
So yeah, they all and, have to uh, first. Right. It creates the foundation for them that they, when they walk through the door and, and deal with yourself or your level three coaches, yeah, um, they've already they've, they've already got uh, the basis, uh, you know, taken care of. Hundred percent, um, because you know, with with our company, we have to get uh, sales professionals results, right? I mean, we we literally have thousands of testimonials on our social media ads at this point within the first eleven months. I'm talking thousands. And uh, we, we just, we have never had, and, and this is crazy to think about, and I, I wouldn't even believe it myself, besides maybe a customer not getting contacted on time by his coach, or, you know, maybe he got double bill, just, you know, random admin mistakes. We sure. just don't have people that are like, oh my gosh, I'm not getting results from this training. This sucks. This blows. It's right. all like, oh my gosh, I, my eyes are open. It's like a whole, it's like taking the, what is it, the red or blue pill matrix? It's like sure. a whole new world opens up, you know? Sure, sure. Um, it sounds like going in a dark room with a flashlight with some other training and you guys help them turn on the uh, actual switch and turn on the whole light. Um, you know, from how deep you go uh, through this uh, sequence, uh, whether you're an individual. So when you're a corporation, and we certainly get a lot of um, uh, CEOs or C-level executives listening to the show, uh, what would it look like uh, from that perspective? And we'll cover that off. And I'm sure, Alan, you've got something you're itching on. So what would that look like, Jeremy? Well, for, for corporate training, we do it a little bit differently. Uh, with our one-on-one -on -one training programs, it depends on if they want us to come in for, you know, a one-day train or if most companies want like a three or six or 12-month program because it, it takes more than one day. Like I could come in and, and train salespeople for one day and they're going to get a lot out of it. They'll, they'll get some more sales. But if a company literally wants to like go in and double their sales or triple or whatever it is, it's going to take three, it's going to, they're going to have to go through like a three, six or 12 month program sure. uh, with myself or one of our level three coaches. I typically take more of the, the biggest companies myself because uh, that's usually what they demand. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, we, along with our one-on-one -on -one training program, they get the eight week academy. It's kind of a combo package that we do for corporations. Okay. Uh, so they have to know, they have to know that foundation is too. And most, like I said, most corporations want, uh, they want their people to be able to learn the material and they know it's, it's going to take three, six or 12 months. It's not going to happen in one day, you know, a complete shift. Sure. Sure. Sounds exciting. Alan. It does. You with you us? Know, we'd like to I, think. I'm just writing notes, man. Hopefully we're not boring. <laughs> Hopefully we're not boring your, your listeners today. No, not at all. I mean, this is, uh, this is amazing information because I think, um, you know, again, that's why we do this show, Jeremy, is to bring awareness um, and certainly to your point that there's a lot of old model of selling out there that people have fallen into and, and some of it works, as you said, and um, you know a lot of it doesn't. And, and quite frankly, that's where people get stuck. So having you on to bring awareness to um, a new way of thinking or a new way of uh, you know being trained on um, skills and uh, and you know becoming an authority if you want to call it a trusted authority or someone who can go in and consult um, and ask good questions I'm a big believer that if you ask good questions you'll get great answers and uh, a lot of times prospects don't know what their problem is uh, until you lead them and, and you ask questions to help them you know identify those um, those challenges so yeah, and I it's really, it's, wonderful. really it's, it's really even going deeper than just surface questions because when you're asking surface questions like, oh, well, how long have you been using this technology? And those are just surface questions where they're logical questions, you get a logical answer back. But it's until we really probe and go deeper to bring up the emotions behind those problems 
And that's really what separates salespeople who make, you know, 300,000 a year, half a million a year, seven figures a year compared to salespeople who make 50 grand a year selling the same thing sure. is really uh, those top salespeople, the top 1% of the top 1%, right? So we're talking the top 1% of the top 1% themselves know how to probe deeper to bring out that person's emotions. And that's where the sales made 100% of the time. Yeah, love it. I, I totally agree. I think we're in an, an environment with our social connectivity that um, you know the expectation of the general public um, of the salesperson is they're they're expecting the salesperson to elevate their game. And what yeah. I mean by that are the things that we're talking about now, because you're what you said earlier, the general public is becoming more aware. They're more knowledgeable. Uh, they're they're willing to to do some research on their own so that they can. Well, one, I, I guess, not get caught off guard, but two, be just more educated going into the, you know, in, into the whole exchange. And because of that global connectivity and communication process, companies are getting away from marketing their products in brick and mortar. And what they're doing is they're paying their salespeople then to uh, go right directly to the consumer. And I think that's a new era, a new phase in our, you know, our, our global economy to where um, it really is the relationship marketing that is going to make the impact. It's a salesperson that's going to be able to take the character and the emotion and the dream of that product to be able to truly help the audience. And then the salesperson's got to be able to take that uh, that task and and accomplish you know accomplish that goal. And I think that's going to require you know the the elevation in the you know the description of the the sales person. And are you finding that to be the case with uh, the national and international clients that you have that they know that they're going to have to elevate, or are they still seeing it as a traditional old school process? They, they know they have to elevate at hundreds. They, they know that what they're doing is, is I would say, getting them average results. I, I mean, literally, average salesperson in North America, 42000 a year. It's, mm -hmm. it's not like it's any better over in Europe or South America or anything. It's not like they're making millions using those techniques. So, you know, we always train salespeople to think, you know, today's, we always say this, this saying, that today's consumer does not want to be talked at and sold. They want to be asked, heard, and most importantly, understood. And when we, when we think that way, when we have that mindset, and not just having the mindset, but having the skill set to learn those you know, what, very skilled questions, which we don't have time to go through on this call, uh, people will open up to you 100% of the time. Uh, because, they become, because you're open to them, they become open to you. And with traditional sales techniques, we're never open to them, right? We're just asking questions to get a yes. We're just vomiting on them. You know, we're just we're, we're asking, even if we're asking questions, which most salespeople do, don't, but let's say some do, we're asking leading questions and questions who we're trying to get a certain answer from them. And it just shows them that we're not open to their thoughts. We're just trying to get them to say what we want them to say. And mm -hmm. do people pick up on that? 100% of the time, especially... Uh, when you're when you're when you're selling uh, you know large things that cost a lot of money, people pick up on those 100% of the time. You know if you're if you're selling a, a five dollar watch, it's you know it's not gonna they're not gonna pick up on as much as if you're selling a a technology service that costs you know half a million dollars. 
It's, it's just mm -hmm. a different way of thinking. So we want to take away, we don't want to talk at them and sell them, right? We want to ask, hear what they're saying. And, and more importantly than just hearing what they say is, is listening to what they mean by that, right? And, and to really clarify what they're saying with, uh, you know, clarifying questions and probing questions. Really, really important if, if a salesperson wants to be at the top of their industry or even get to the top 10% or 5% or 1% is that, you know, the way they are selling now has gotten them what? The exact results they're getting right now. So if they keep right. doing that, more than likely they're going to keep getting the same results, right? So I love, I love salespeople when they come in with, with massive egos that, you know, they might make $100,000 a year and, and think they're the, the best in the world. But, you know, it, it's, it's interesting to see the, the transformation with those people when they were butting their head against the wall, thinking that they had everything mastered when, when they start to go through the training, realizing that they literally probably should have been making five times what they were making working less hours. They just didn't have the right communication skills. Right. Right. And you mentioned something and, and, I, and I'm going to go back to it and you just mentioned it again. What's your thought on the hustle and grind? I hear it a lot. I see it a lot. <laughs> and I think people buy into uh, the uh, sexiness of the words, you know, hustle and grind. Um, but we brought it up a couple of times and, you know, I'd love to get your, uh, let's say, opinion on on those words. Um, well, you know, I, I hear it a lot. I mean, I hear mm -hmm. like, oh, you got to hustle, you got to grind. Sure. Um, you know, I, I hustle, I, I grind for sure. I, I work a lot of hours, you know, when you're an entrepreneur starting your own company and, and sure. you know, it's you and a few employees in the very beginning until you really expand. But like I said, it, it's hustle, grinding, and it's learning the skill sets. You, I know a lot of people that work their ass off, that hustle all day long, grind all day long, and are broke all the time right. because they don't have the communication skills. So to me, it's, it's working hard but it's also learning the communication skills that come along with that. Because if, if you don't, you don't have the communication skills, you can work your butt off and just keep working your butt off and you're just, you know, you're going to struggle. You're going to keep grinding. Right, right. And um, maybe, maybe the words need to be changed to, uh, you know, skilled hustle and grind. <laughs> yes, it's all about learning skills. You know, I, I read all these books right. about, hey, it's, it's all about uh, your motivation. It's nothing about talent. And I'm like, Nothing to be further from the truth. I mean, it's about motivation, but it's just as important that you have the talent. If you don't have the skill sets and talent, I don't care how motivated you are. I don't care sure. how great your attitude is. You're still going to struggle. You have to have both, especially in our economy today. For sure. Right. For well, sure. and I, I think that, you know, to hang on the hustle and grind thing for a second here, uh, I think a lot of people figure that, you know, they they got to they got to put a lot of effort out and and make a big mess for anything to happen because that's been historically a, you know, one of the you know, one of the teaching moments. Go make a big mess and we'll clean it up later. And uh, you know, but who wants to get into something where they got to grind all day? It's like Jesus, I'm not going to sign up for that. I mean, that's not my idea of, of a you know a, a lifestyle that is uh, duplicatable, that is sustainable, is grinding all day. I mean, if I'm a you know stonemason, I suppose that's a different story. But there's, there's nothing sexy about that, uh, and not that there has to be something sexy, but uh, I, in a way there has to be. I mean, if it's going to be a you know get out there and go through three layers of 
of clothes and uh, you know a couple you know dress or you know shoes and 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 the whole nine yards to get your your work product done for the day yeah. isn't god's name going to want to do that you got to work smarter you got to work educated yeah, you got to work, you work do less yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah, do yeah. a lot less and get more and that should be the the focus you know those words not not you know putting a lot in the hopper put you know you got to put your own in the hopper but you don't have to grind through thousands of things to get two or three just work well, smart yeah and it's it's interesting you know you you brought up something that's a you know it seems like it's overused by every personal development person in the world right now but it's an it's an it's a convenient way to to say hey you're not getting results because you're not hustling you're not working hard enough you're not grinding hard enough well, that's easy to, to, to say because you don't have to teach them any skill sets. Right. Because to hustle and grind is not hard. You just work longer, right? Anybody can work longer. Anybody can work harder. You can stay uh, underneath your lamp for 16 hours a day rather than 10. doesn't require a lot of training for a trainer to say that to somebody, right? It's just like a convenient thing to say, oh, you're not getting results because you're not working hard enough. I think it's BS. You got to learn the skill sets. You got to learn the communication techniques if you want to be at the top of your game. And if you're an entrepreneur, if you're wanting to start your own business, like I said, everybody's in sales. Whether you are in a sales profession where you're getting paid a commission, or you're in what we call non-sales selling, where you're out there influencing, convincing, trying to persuade others, but you don't necessarily get paid a commission to do that. You know, you're a politician or attorney or whatever an employee or an employer trying to convince your staff to take a pay cut, you're out there trying to persuade, influence, and, and convince others. So we're all in sales now. It doesn't matter really what you do. For sure. Man, this show goes really fast, Jeremy. You've provided yes. so much information. It's incredible, and we'd love to obviously go on a deeper dive. So I'll ask the question. Love to have you back, but this time we're going to get you on a live show um, if, if you'd have us again. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. You know, you've been hitting me up here for about 10 months. You're, you're very persistent. I'm very busy. I think we even had a couple times scheduled, but just something didn't work out or whatever. Sure, sure. But, uh, yeah, I, I've had a, a, a good experience with you guys, so I'll gladly come on your show. For sure. I'd love to have you on the live show, and we'll get, uh, you know, some queued up uh, live questions as well. And um, we'll add in some technology. We'll be on Facebook. We'll record it as well, and obviously we'll launch it on our podcast. I'd love to have you back, Jeremy. And, um, you know, these shows go so quickly, as I said. What I'd like to do, um, Alan, we've got one last question for Mr. Miner, and, um, and then we'll take it away, and we'll see him again. We do. We do. And we used to really save this question, uh, but we're finding that our questions and uh, our process is, is bringing out these nuggets throughout. But sure. even with that said, we always like to leave the audience, uh, Jeremy, with uh, a piece of advice, a tool, an act upon uh, something that they can use right now. Uh, you know, as soon as they listen to this podcast, to be able to implement into their day. So, not that you haven't given some great information, because you have given some great nuggets. But um, what would what one thing would you like to leave with the audience today? It could be something you've already talked about, or something that you haven't mentioned yet that they can use, uh, engage right now to elevate. Uh, their uh, their influence in their market. Well, I mean, I, I could I don't know if you guys want me to on the call. I could always give them access to the the free twenty one day sales challenge if you want. Yes, let's do it. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if you if you want to go through uh, the the website is uh, www dot 
seven figure, so it's the number seven, so seven figure sales training, seven figure sales training.com. So seven figure sales training.com forward slash sales with an S dash challenge. So seven figure sales training.com forward slash sales slash challenge. Uh, you can go in there. Dash can, or dash? Dash. Dash. Uh, dash. I'm I'll sorry. I'll post this okay. as well. I'll post this for everybody as well. Yeah, it's, it's dash. So, you know, people can opt into that uh, for free. They get a, a daily set of emails, uh, you know, with a daily training video on there. If they want to get one of our level one coaches to take them through it, to train them on it, I think, you know, they, they'll see that. And once they opt in, there'll be an offer for them to do that for like seven bucks. They can do that if they want to. But that would definitely help their communication skills for sure. But one thing I would suggest is that, you know, top salespeople are, I would say, they're, they're willing to do what others are just not willing to do, right? So they're committed mm -hmm. to their craft. They're committed to being the best in their space. And when, when you're committed to being the best, you have to be willing to do what others are not willing to do. So if you're driving down the road, rather than, you know, listening to the, the latest, uh, greatest pop song, you know, uh, you know, putting in your Adele love song or whatever you listen to, I don't care, you know, pop in something uh, that's going to increase your communication skills. You know, I still do that today. I'll, I'll listen. I've heck, I've even listened to myself before, which sounds kind of odd, but I'll listen to myself. I'll listen to other sales training to, you know, I might not necessarily like a lot of what they do because I don't think it works, but I'll, I'll pick up a few golden nuggets here and there. And I'm like, you know what? We could rephrase that question this way and it'd be a lot more powerful. So right. I'm always continually learning. You know, I probably read at least three books a month, at least. Because it. if you're not learning, if you're not progressing, you're digressing. I mean, you're going backwards. So that would be my one thought uh, is just stay committed and, and do what others are just not willing to do if you want the results. Super. Fantastic. Well, you heard it. We had Jeremy Miner on our show, and he also committed to coming on live. So to the audience, I hope you really enjoyed uh, what you learned today and obviously uh, only scraping the surface. There's so much more. And, uh, you know, take the 21-day sales challenge. I, I think um, it, it'll definitely, um, as Jeremy mentioned, uh, improve your communication uh, skill, and that's a great place to start. And, um, you know, implement it. I'm a big believer in learning and applying um, or else you're mentally masturbating. So we'll talk about that on another show. There you go. Uh, but <laughs> thank you so much, Jeremy. You've been amazing. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule uh, to come on our show. Um, and I hope to uh, have you again soon. Thanks, guys. It was a pleasure. Alan, pleasure meeting you. Christopher, pleasure. I'll see you guys soon. Thank Likewise. You. Thanks for your transparency, Jeremy. Have a great day. You thank got you. it. And it wouldn't be a show, folks, without me saying, do something nice for someone today. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.